With interest rates going up at a pretty good clip, many people who are in the home search are making the decision to head to the sidelines till things cool down. But how long could that take? If you're a regular listener of the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with Hal Swayze, you know the earlier you get into the market, the quicker you build equity. With so many people bowing out of the game, right now might be the best time to take advantage of less competition. Ermina Kareem from Guaranteed Rate and Chad Van Til from Pacific Trust Mortgage join the crew to go over financing options that buyers have outside of the regular 30-year fixed mortgage that will help combat rising interest rates and give you the opportunity to get the house you want. Without further ado, here's House Swayze team member, James Bueno. All right, everybody. Welcome to another Slow County Real Estate with House Swayze podcast. As always, we have Hal Swayze. How are you doing, Hal? I'm great, James. Thanks. Mr. John Turner, JT. Hey, James. And JP from Keller Williams. James, great to be here. Today's a special day, Hal, and uh, can you explain why that is? And we got a lot of questions about the mortgage industry and mortgage markets, so we realized our limited capabilities there and brought in some specialists. I'm looking across the table at Ermina Kareem, Vice President of Mortgage Lending for Guaranteed Rate, and I have Chad Van Til, who is the owner of Pacific Trust Mortgage. Ermina, can you tell us maybe a little bit about you know your background experience so the listeners know? Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me here today. Yeah. Um, I have I'm relative new to the lending business. I've been working with Guaranteed Rate for the last two years. I'm partnered with a longtime lender, uh, Donna Lewis, who's my business partner. She's been in the industry for 30 years. Right. My background prior to entering this is I ran the San Luis Obispo Chamber of Commerce for a number of years, and I have a background in finance, having worked on Wall Street, taking companies public. Oh, great. Wow. Sounds like a great background. Perfect. Wonderful. And Mr. Van Til? Yes. Thanks again for having me here. Uh, got into the business and 1994 and then started Pacific Trust Mortgage in 2002. Um, we started out as a brokerage and then evolved into a correspondent lender or mortgage bank uh, in 1995 and have been here headquartered on the Central Coast uh, since that time. Dude, you're throwing the heavy language out already. Correspondent lender. For those of us that don't know what that means, what does that mean? Well, there's three really primary ways to go ahead and deliver a mortgage. As we probably all know, there's there's your retail bank that you go into. If you walk into a Wells Fargo or a Bank of America, you can go in, sit down and talk with one of the loan officers, uh, get a loan. It's going to stay with Wells Fargo. You have Wells Fargo or Bank of America products, and that's what you're limited to. Okay. Uh, you have a mortgage broker who is uh, a loan originator who is out on, on the street working with their relationships to go ahead and find their clients, uh, bring in a loan application, do the pre-qualification, and then they'll usually send it off to a banking institution to go ahead and underwrite it, uh, fund the loan, uh, and go ahead and retain the servicing. And then there's a correspondent lender or a mortgage bank who has typically will have uh, originators that are out there that are also bringing in the loans, but they control the process a little bit more. Uh, well, they'll underwrite it, uh, they'll draw the docs, they'll fund, and typically what they'll do is they'll sell it into the secondary market to a pool of different investors, so they offer a little bit variety, larger variety of products and uh, services and opportunities out there. Okay. Great. What's happening in the in the mortgage side in the, in the market right now? What can you guys talk to us a little bit about? You know what's happening in, in San Luis Obispo County. Uh, well, as we all are probably aware, that rates have have gone up uh, uh, quite a bit since so six months ago when we we're at our historic lows. So we're certainly dealing with a little bit of change in, in in the market when it's related to our buyers because affordability with your increase of rates has decreased a bit. 
So from our standpoint, we're, we're seeing people switching a little bit over to some of the alternative products where before, I think Armina could agree that she was probably originating and our, our company as well. 90% of what we were doing was fixed rates there right. because we're at historic lows. So it was hard to not advise somebody to get into a fixed rate to go ahead and to secure it for the long run. Now we are seeing some alternative products and more of the arms come into play. They're making a little bit more sense. For the past two years, you really didn't see too much of a spread between the fixed rates and the arms. So the savings were small. Arms being adjustable. Uh, adjustable mortgages, yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, so now you're seeing a pretty large gap between your fixed rate and adjustables where it may make some sense to go ahead and look at some of the adjustable rate mortgages out there. Roughly, what would be the difference today? And what would that look like? I mean, you can definitely see a spread of over a point for sure okay. in, um, or greater on the point and a half, actually, mm-hmm. on some of the things that we've been locking recently. And, and some of these offer seven, you know, seven and 10-year fixed rate period at that lower rate. So it can make a lot of sense for a buyer to be able to afford the home and bet on where the market's going to go over time. And, you know, while it's been a bit of whiplash over the last six months and there have been challenging conversations I'm sure you've also had. You know, when we step back and we look at where we are today, let's just say in the fives, um, you know, Freddie Mac has put out average rates over the last, since 71, I want to say, mm-hmm. and the 50-year rate is 7.8 between 1971 and 2021, the average mortgage rate, 7.8%. And so when you look at where we are, it's a shift in the market. There's no doubt about that, but we continue to be at a place that is low historically, Uh, just not as low as people were experiencing. So we got accustomed to a lower rate. Now we get a little bit frustrated. So when the rate's higher, because you get used to it. Yeah. Yeah. Is that why you guys keep wine in your office to give to your clients? There it is. It's all about today's rates versus the pain a little bit. Perceived pain. Yeah. 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 We we say this a lot. Um, What is normal? What would you say is a normal rate? Or is there such thing? Well, I think as, as Armina just quoted, I mean, over the past 50 years, you're, you were looking in the sevens. I remember when I got into the business in the 90s uh, and we, we were doing cartwheels when we broke 8% that was there. And uh, it, it was it was exciting times there. And uh, you know, when we saw them in the, the twos, obviously, it, it's been unprecedented. No, nobody's seen anything like this. So 5% overall is still good money out there it's just once again hard to swallow when we were looking at two three percent only a handful of months ago yeah right you couldn't get that on a car when i was younger it's it's amazing what did i hear somebody say so you got to deal with the reality you know the truth will make you mad before it sets you free um but i i we're seeing it from my perspective i think people have now kind of adjusted to it so mm-hmm. it's just like, okay, well, this is what mortgages are. We're going to deal with that. But the fact that you have those options sounds good. Do you guys do any of those three? Well, you, I'll have you explain it, but like a three, two, one. Is that common? Because that was common, I don't know, the early 90s or something like that. We used to see a lot of those where you can buy, you get a fixed rate, but you buy it down over the term. Are you seeing any of that? Or is that coming back a little bit? We didn't see them in the last couple of years because you couldn't do a three, two, one buy down when your rate was 2%. You'd, go in the, <laughs> you'd be inverted interest rate. So, yeah. So, unfortunately, we didn't have any inverted interest rates to offer, uh, yeah. but you, we are starting to see them coming back yeah. uh, a little bit. Uh, we're also looking at some tools like 40 year amortization yeah. out there as well, okay. uh, which is uh, you know a little more affordable for people to get into with, with, that, uh, with that program. Uh, there's also interest only loans out there as well that are. 
uh, interest only for the first 10 years and then fixed out for the last 30 years. So okay. it offers some of that payment flexibility for those first initial 10 years, but also the stability of a fixed rate in case we do you know, shoot up spike. in rates. But as you, as you can attest to more than anybody here, your average homeowner isn't in their home for 10 years right. uh, for the most part. So right. you know, looking at some of the adjustables right now, especially when you're getting into the first time home buyers, the transition buyers, it, usually they're not going to see it even go to the term for the seven right. years that Ermina was speaking about, the, the five, seven or 10 years that are your most typical uh, adjustable rate periods. It, it, it's interesting because uh, for a long time, people didn't want to sell their homes, which were highly appreciated because they had this low tax rate, which is great. But then it's like, uh, we would move, but you know, we got this low tax rate. Now, if you have a 2.75 or a three and a quarter, I, you know, that's going to limit our inventory because it's like, mm, I don't want to let go of that. Sitting on I really want to move, but I got this cheap rate. You know, it almost landlocks, I mean, kind of mm -hmm. people in their houses. So you said, Chad, and I'm not sure we agree on this. You said the average person does not stay in their house 10 years. Or does correct does not okay they move before that yes they yeah. Move. yes okay. yeah that's I think it's longer than it used to be mm -hmm. but if that's the case then you would do the John Turner strategy right I'm gonna do a five a seven one adjustable rate mortgage because I know something's gonna happen in my life where I'm not gonna keep a thirty year mortgage I'm gonna move or I'm gonna need to maybe take some money out of my equity something's gonna happen in my life. And I mean, so people know what's a five or seven one that John was yeah, talking about. I mean, how do you describe so, that to the like? First yeah, absolutely. Time so, you know, um, it's the period of which the the mortgage is fixed. So the five year, seven year, or ten year fix. You'll see minor differences in rate um, for those periods. There are some different qualifications based on a five year versus a seven or a ten. But essentially, it means that you are locked in at a lower introductory rate for that period of time for your thirty year loan and then it ties to um, movement with a, a market index. So I'm a first time home buyer and I've been looking for a year and you know how hard it's been to, to find a house. Now I've found the house and interest rates have gone up a couple of points, right? Or more. What's the conversation look like when I'm sitting talking to you about how, how I proceed and how am I going to be able to afford this house because the rates are up? What's that conversation look like with you guys? And how do you coach me and advise me? Well, you sit them down first with a glass of wine if they, if they haven't been uh, informed or in contact with you uh, yeah. to brace from where the rates were. Uh, and it's really, you know, starting with what they could afford. Uh, that's where we always, because there's a difference between what you could qualify for and what you could afford based right. on what your comfort level and, and budget is. And we go ahead and try to really work around uh, what that comfort in their, their household budget is. And then really also try to talk about what their plan is for this house. Sometimes when you're doing a pre-qualification, it's hard to know what their exact plan is for the house if they haven't picked out the house. But usually if it's a first time home buyer, they're getting into something uh, that once again, maybe for that three to five to seven year period, because it's going to be a starter home, maybe they're going to plan on having kids. So uh, they may need an extra bedroom and, and really try to go ahead and, and fit this this home and their purchase into what their financial plan is and, and really focus on really what it is they could afford and then work into the product from there, whether it's the three, the five or the seven year fixed or a 10 year fixed. Or maybe it does need to be a 30 year fixed because. That's what's going to make them sleep best at night. Because right. some people just are very risk adverse and they don't want to know that somewhere down the road that that interest rate may change. 
Chad, Chad, you had mentioned um, the, the three two one uh, product for the uh, listeners that might not know what that is. What is what is that? What is a three two one? So, so basically, you're buying the interest rate down up front. So, if your rate were to start at uh, five and a half, uh, is what the fully indexed rate is at the end. You would start off at a, a three and a half, and then the next year would go to a four and a half, and then it would go to a five and a half rate. So, you get some relief in those first couple of years. You know, I want to jump on to some of what Chad was saying as well. I mean, I think that when you're talking particularly to a first-time home buyer who's been, you know, watching the market change in front of them, and hopefully, as Chad was referencing, you've already been having conversations along the way. They're tracking what's happening through their search process because you're partnered with them. You know, we're partnered. Lenders are partnered with agents to help serve the client. I think so much of it is also around um, addressing these myths we hold about uh, buying a home in this country. I think there are myths around, well, you have to have 20% down. Well, no, you don't. Or myths like uh, mortgage insurance is bad. Well, no, it's not necessarily bad. If it's going to help you, you know, if you can, it can be a much more affordable option to get into a home and put less down. And rates can be actually quite attractive. Um, or you can buy out your mortgage insurance in front. And so there's so many tools. It's it's really the strategy that's going to fit somebody else's life and helping them to understand what the tools are available to them and confronting the storylines we may carry. You know, there's a lot of shame in money also. And so helping people to understand you don't you're not supposed to know this. This is not it is not your business. It's our business. And we're here to help you with that. Think about if you waited from 2018 to, to now to come up with that extra 10% down because they didn't want to carry that extra little bit of debt, what that costs and not only the appreciation that they lost, but now also the cost of funds uh, there as well. Is it true today that many first-time home buyers are getting some help from somebody, maybe a parent or a grandparent, and how, how does that factor into the, the qualification process today? It's really straightforward. We see it with many of our clients are getting gifts from family largely. Um, and it's it's a very natural part of the process. And so understanding what's available to them, making sure that they've had open conversations with whomever, you know, that they're not also trying to guess what those figures are. It's a normal part of the lending process. The, for those that were in the market that back in 2004, five, and six, when we're talking about 312s and arms. That differs dramatically from what was happening with lending practices back in that era. But d- can you talk a little bit about the difference and why those that might have been in the market now, they're saying, oh my gosh, these options are coming. Is this the, is this the turn? Is this, what's, is this happening again? Is 2008 going to happen? These practices, lending practices, are way different than what happened back then. I would say now we're, we're probably of the strongest credit quality that, that we've certainly been in that, that, that I, as long as I've been in the business. Uh, I mean, underwriting has been so stringent since uh, the meltdown in 2008, whereas prior to those days, yes, there were some of the unique products that were going out. But you got to remember the underwriting standards were, were almost non-existent uh, that was there. You, you weren't verifying income. You weren't verifying down payments. And people were looking at basically credit scores uh, there. There was highly leveraged financing for these products at 95, even up to 100%. There was the deferred interest loans that were there so that people were allowed to go over what 100% of their value was. Um, so the, the risk profile from underwriting was so different than where we are today. 
as I said, right now, the, the strength and the credit and, and quality of the mortgage-backed securities that are out there are, I think, as strong as they've ever been. That's great to hear. That's a huge factor in terms of people worrying about there being some sort of panic or you know the market shifting drastically in terms of pricing and yeah it just doesn't seem to be in the cards. I mean I, I, I don't mean, you see it happening quality. because of uh, of the quality of mortgages that are there also and people not being able to uh, to afford it uh, because a lot of these people before were banking on appreciation uh, right. they figure well I'm gonna, I could hold it on a deferred interest loan that starts at one percent and I'm going to hit my ten percent. Appreciation per year, and then I'm going to sell, and I'm going to walk away with, you know, a hundred thousand dollars in appreciation. Yeah. And then when uh, the market started tanking, and they couldn't afford uh, the mortgage, they had no choice but to give the keys back. Yeah. Now, you know, everybody needs to go ahead and down payment. You need to to fully underwrite income. It's a completely different, as I said, quality of borrower that has been able to get into home ownership and loans over these these last few years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. So you're talking about quality um, of borrower. Other programs, let's say I have a 650 or lower credit score, um, but I have a down payment. What other programs are out there um, for somebody with maybe not as great credit or not enough down payment? What's available? FHA is probably the probably the one that's most commonly referenced for you can go down to three and a half percent down and you can uh, it's it's more lenient on credit quality and so it you pay a higher price in your mortgage insurance but ultimately it's a way that buyers can absolutely get into a home um, and you know it's backed by the government it's a it's a strong program for the right borrower and I'll go a little bit backwards on what I was just saying because there are some alternative programs that have recently come back that are called non-qualified mortgages out there that are allowing a little bit more flexibility for for borrowers here as well the difference uh, I think between what the non-qualified mortgages their guidelines now versus uh, in in 2005 six seven uh, are that they're you still are having to underwrite income, but it is a little bit different than what Fannie Mae uh, will require. You could do it through a different kind of bank statement showing cash flow, uh, through 1099 income, uh, through uh, asset depletion programs. Uh, some things that are for, for well-qualified buyers that are still coming in with that 25, maybe 30% down, but they might they might be self-employed uh, and have a little bit more of non-traditional income. So there are some avenues that are uh, out there for somebody that isn't going to qualify for either an FHA uh, or for a, a Fannie Mae or more uh, traditional loan. And, and the programs that Chad is referencing are, I would say, have a special appeal in this market. You know, our region is made up of small business owners and there's a lot of self-employment in our community. What they're doing for taxes or whatever their situation may be can be more complicated to get through the loan process. So these products are a good fit for a number of borrowers in our community. Okay, you guys are probably going to string me up for this question, but so I'm self-employed, right? Which is more difficult to get a loan normally. Well, it's not as straightforward. <laughs> yeah, it's just usually a little more complexity based on the borrower and how many different entities they have versus somebody that has a W-2 and a pay stub. Right. Uh, there typically is just a little bit, it's more of a robust underwriting because you have a more complex financial situation. Okay. Right. That's all I'm going to ask. That's good. <laughs> so, Ermina, a few minutes ago, you made a positive comment about PMI. Yep. 
You're, you're probably the first person in the world I've ever heard make a positive <laughs> comment. Can you Maybe I just don't understand it well enough. Can you kind of explain what PMI is and then maybe sure. why you uh, made a positive comment? Sure. About well, I, let me say that my, my what you interpreted as positive was don't be afraid of it, and okay. I guess. And um, when I... Thank so. You. PMI, private mortgage insurance, is you know for the lender if you're putting down less than 20%. And so it definitely has, because we have this myth that we need to put down, save for 20% down, the balance, so something less than 20%, you have to get mortgage insurance. There are numerous scenarios, and it's tied to your quality of... So the price of your mortgage insurance will be improved, meaning lesser, based on the quality of your credit and the percent down you're going to put into the transaction. So we have, so depending on a client's goals, if you are focused on, for example, maximizing uh, cash conservation, for example, it can often make sense to put 15% down, for example, save that 5% that you're not putting into a transaction, which at our home prices is a significant dollar amount. And if your credit's decent, you can buy out your mortgage insurance up front at closing for, depending, say, a $500,000 loan and your credit score is 750, you're looking at probably just a couple thousand dollars to buy out that mortgage insurance up front so you're never paying it. As long as you can carry that loan, you've conserved your cash, you can put that money to use maybe in a different way and not take a hit on rate. In fact, the rate can be quite attractive at 15% down. So I think. In addition to what Chad previously referenced, you know, sitting out in the market waiting versus paying the monthly mortgage insurance, you're losing out on the appreciation and the value of that dollar um, to really put your money to the best use possible. So I would say don't be afraid and talk to your lender. Great. Thank and, you. And Amita pointed out here, uh, which, which is spot on, that sometimes it's strategic mm-hmm. to do that, to keep that cash. And a lot of times that we're seeing it in the purchases is for improvements right. to the house. Because a lot of times you're buying something that you said, oh, I'm stretched at 20%. But sometimes it makes a lot of sense to put that 15, pay that little tad bit of mortgage insurance, keep that cash to get the house livable. And maybe that helps you stretch into that purchase price that you that you wanted. Can you help me do that with my fire and uh, auto insurance? <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a great, I'm seriously, you know, pay a small amount. Yeah. Chad, Erminia, thank you for being on the Slow County Real Estate with the House Swayze podcast. Do you want to let everybody know how they can get a hold of you in case they're looking for uh, some lending help? Sure. Uh, you can reach me, Chad Van Til, at Pacific Trust Mortgage at 805-543-4422. Or our website is pacifictrustmortgage.com. And you can reach me, Ermina Kareem, at Guaranteed Rate. Um, my phone number is 805-602-0248. And you can email me at any time or my partner, Donna Lewis, uh, which is Donna.Ermina, E-R-M-I-N-A, at rate.com. We'll see you next week for some more great information. Thank you for listening to the House Swayze Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. It comes out every Monday, so check for it in your feed for the latest information on the San Luis Obispo County market. The Slow County Real Estate with House Swayze Podcast is available wherever you get your podcast and on housewayze.com where you can find current listings and other real estate tips. Housewayze.com, that's H-A-L, S-W-E-A-S-E-Y.com. I am James Bueno, Director of Marketing for the House Swayze Group. If you're looking for anything real estate, give us a call, 805-781-3750.
Al Swayze is a licensed California real estate broker. DRE number 01111911. The Slow County Real Estate with Hal Swayze podcast is a production of AGM Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.